Hello and welcome to the November 6th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today, and of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. So here we are on a rather miserable, rainy, gloomy, horrible kind of day in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, absolutely perfect for the exact mood that I'm in. Um, because let me tell you something, I may be over-exaggerating, I may be going to places in my mind in which I probably shouldn't go to, and believe it or not, while we definitely have some mental health issues to speak about today, from a physical standpoint, which, of course, is greatly affecting my mental health, and I would imagine it goes back and forth like a round robin, almost like a basket case that I am, you know, back and forth, back and forth, physical, mental, physical, mental, you know, one affecting the other. Um, I I think my biggest complaint today is that pain that I have in my upper tooth region that has been guaranteed to me that is not my dental implant, but I have to tell you, since I've stopped the antibiotics This pain has gotten incredibly worse, and what I'm starting to notice now more than ever is to the right side of my nostril, um, almost in between the cheek area and the nostril, I am absolutely huge in terms of inflamed, inflammation, almost like I have a bump on my face, and I swear, even though you don't, you know, you press on it, it doesn't hurt. I, I just, I, I gotta have an infection, some kind of a, a chronic cyanitis infection, if that makes any sense. And it has to be the source of this pain. And it's really frightening to me because I am tasting that metallic taste in my mouth, and there is no doubt in the world that I am severely infected. And Um, You know, an ear, nose, and throat can't get me in until Thursday. We're on Tuesday. I would imagine I'm not going to drop dead between now and then. But I got to tell you, I mean, I am in bad shape. And it almost, it has instilled fear in me in the sense where, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so inflamed and so much in pain that I feel like this, this infection is literally traveling around my body. Now, I will say this to you, I certainly have not had the best of nights as um, in terms of last night and what has carried over into to today. I would imagine the feeling that I am feeling today, which is completely zoned out and out of it, is related to, once again, the night's sleep that I got in particularly last night. Now, I might have been the cause of my own problems because I will tell you this. 
I went ahead, for those of you who listened to my podcast yesterday, I went ahead and I um, I had my psychiatrist appointment, which we'll get into in a minute, and directly afterwards I went to the gym. Now, I not, did not arrive to the gym until about 8.30, and I did not get home until about 9.45, and so much for the concept of because I'm not doing cardiovascular working out, only weightlifting, that was going to be the reason as to why I wouldn't boost my endorphins up so high that I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. Well, let me tell you something. I was up pretty late last night. I couldn't get to bed until about 11.45, and that's just not acceptable for me. And to make matters worse, I was up at 1.45. I was up at 2.45. I was up at 3.45. One of the dogs woke me at 5 a.m., and at that point, I was out on the couch because I just couldn't, I, I couldn't get comfortable. Uh, and I felt as if I was going to disturb my wife because I just kept tossing and turning and rolling around and moving. And I said, maybe I better go out on the couch. And after I let the dog out, um, before you knew it, I'm out on that couch. And when I finally kind of did pass out, well, Mickey's awake, <laughs> and out comes Mickey strolling into the living room with my wife, and once Mickey's up, that's it, he's up. Now, I was so out of it, guys, that I actually went back into the bed at about 6 a.m., and I slept until about 6.40, and let me tell you something, I slept, I really did, I was able to close my eyes and sleep even with the racing thoughts that were consuming my brain and my body and my mind, I was just so exhausted that I was able to sleep. So we got a lot going on in terms of the mental health world and the physical health world with, with Mr. Joe. And, uh, it's, it's, it's frightening to me. It really is. I mean, I'm in a lot of pain now as I'm speaking to you all. The pain is traveling. It's getting worse certainly not getting any better, and I have to wonder, you know, what are we going to do to fix this, but I guess in two days I'll know. I am I am toying around with the idea of walking into an urgent care just to get antibiotics, but then there's that other part of me that says, you know what, you got two days left, wouldn't you rather an ear, nose, and throat person who could really diagnose you better than an urgent care facility be the ones to put you on antibiotics. Um, plus, I have the dentist tonight, you know, and if anything, I plan on letting him know the pain that I'm still in and also letting him know that on the treatment of antibiotics that he had me on, I saw a significant improvement, and then once again, we went backwards once I came off, which again, clearly indicates to me that there is some type of infection that's brewing around up in there, and it's it's really, really starting to bother me and scare me. But anyway, enough of being the broken record. I'd like to catch everybody up on my psychiatrist visit last night. And it was real nice to see my doctor. I hadn't seen her in quite some time. Obviously, I was there for some refills. And she gave me a good portion of her own time to sit and discuss where I am in life and what I've been doing. As a matter of fact, her and I had not seen each other since I was terminated from my last place of employment. So I shared a lot with her in terms of my responsibilities, in terms of what I'm doing with my life now, in terms of my traveling, in terms of 
my wife being pregnant and having another little person on the way at the age of 43. And my doctor turned to me and she said, damn it, how the hell are you surviving? (laughs) She said, really, honestly, are you okay? She said, because all the things that you're talking about and the responsibilities that you have on your shoulders, so to speak, well, for a person without bipolar disorder, I feel like that would be hard for them. So how are you doing as a person with bipolar disorder? How are you dealing with these things? And as much as I oftentimes want to lie to my doctors, because that is just what I'm good at, or at least what I knew my entire life when I was on my medication many years ago being treated improperly, I find it necessary now always to be very truthful with my doctor. So maybe a little bit too truthful in the sense where I started giving her every aspect of where I have gone wrong over the last couple of weeks, some of the things that I have shared with you on the podcast in terms of my overall attitude to my wife, the yelling, the screaming, the accusation from my wife letting me know that I've been a monster literally over the last three to four weeks, if you go back to my last podcast, because she's been saying that for quite some time, and me not really sure where it's all stemming from. But uh, at the same token, explaining to her that while there are definitely moments of slight depression and slight mania, they're all very recognizable by me. And I am able to literally talk myself through them and function and do what I have to do in terms of work. Um, Now, listen, the other Saturday, you know, wasn't so great. But if you really look at the overall picture, by the nighttime, again, I was able to pull myself out of it and, and be present at a Halloween party in which I wanted no part of. So even in the worst of situations and the worst of depressive moods, And when I say worst, you know, those are the ones that might last 10 hours or so, which for me is a long time now, based on the good run that I've been on. And if you want to look at the manic side of things, the many things that we've reported about over the last several months, whether it be pressured speech, rapid speech, inability to sleep, Um, drug cravings, all of those things, they're existent, but they're controllable. And how many times have I said it, I believe they're controllable because half the battle is being able to recognize when these things happen or when these things are coming on. And because I'm on medication, that is what allows me to do so. But, and as I expressed to my doctor, last couple of weeks to a month have been somewhat challenging for Mr. Joe some of which I'm not even recognizing and has been pointed out by my wife. And I like my doctor because, (laughs) not because she puts the blame on other people, I might sound like that's what I'm about to say, but she's very realistic in the sense where, even in listening to my story, she did come up with the whole, um, I guess, thought process of the fact that my wife is pregnant. And she's a pain in the ass right now. Excuse my French. I don't normally speak like that, but... Apparently, you're allowed to say the word ass and the B-I-T-C-H word, um, and it not be referred to as a curse nowadays. I heard it on the radio the other day, on the regular radio, and I've seen it on a couple of shows that are not cable, so I said, you know what? 
maybe Mr. Joe could throw out an ass or two there once in a while. <laughs> so I apologize. Um, certainly don't want to get into that habit. Um, but, you know, my wife's pregnant and she's emotional. She's sensitive. And I get it. But at the same token, some of my reactions and some of my outbursts have been unacceptable. So I explain this to my doctor. And here's where things take a very interesting turn. We refilled my prescriptions. Okay. She wants me back on the Seroquel. 25 milligrams every single night. She kept me on the 300 of Welbutrin, 200 of Lamictal, and was ready to send me on my way. And then she stopped and she looked over at me and she says, you know, Mr. Joe, she says, I feel like we have some ruminating thoughts that go on in your mind and your brain. And by the way, I don't know if you guys hear this rain that's coming down. It's quite annoying to me, and I apologize if you do hear it. I'm hoping the content of this podcast is not completely destroyed, but it is actually pouring out here in Mr. Joe's neighborhood. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I apologize if you hear little drops coming down in the, uh, you know, on the car roof, but that's where I am. I'm producing this podcast from Mr. Joe's vehicle right now. So... Um, felt the need to say that because, to be honest with you, the, the rain is getting to me. So I can only imagine what it's doing to you. I ask that you just bear with me for a few more minutes um, for this podcast. So she looks at me and she says, Mr. Joe, I, I feel like you have some ruminating thoughts. Some racing thoughts that just are not in your control completely as of yet. I feel like you need something to seal or put a cap on what has been a very successful medication regimen, there's just that little tiny bit of something missing. So she turns to me and she says, have you ever heard of something called Raylar? And I'll, I'll spell it for you. It's spelled V-R-A-Y-L-A-R. And I believe, um, you know, it's, it's the, the drug name, the official drug name is pronounced Cariprazine. Something along those lines. I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. Cariprazine? Cariprazine? Carip? Yeah, I think it's Carip, Cariprazine. I'll spell that for you, too. C-A-R-I-P-R-A-Z-I-N-E. I should probably investigate these things before I bring them to your attention, but, you know, I apologize. I'll just say it the way I know how to say it. Um or Vralar, which is the uh, drug name for it, the brand, the manufacturer of Vralar, and this happens to be um, an antipsychotic, one that affects... I believe she said the dopamine 3 and the dopamine 4. And i got to be honest, from the point where she introduced a new medication to me, that's when all of a sudden everything went blurry. And all I could think about was, oh my God, are things that bad that I need another medication? And she gave me a bunch of samples And she wants me to start extremely slow. And this particular medication, believe it or not, you don't, according to her anyway, you don't have to take it every day. 
for it to build up into your system. As a matter of fact, she only wants me to take it two days a week to start out and just see how I feel. Now, the other interesting thing is she turned around and she said, your insurance is never going to pay for this. So I said, well, what the heck am I taking it for then? She explained that this is a rather new medication. It's almost the sister medication to something called Latuda. Latuda, in her explanation, was more of a medicine that treats depression, whereas the Vralar is more of a manic type of medicine, but they're within the same kind of family. So clearly my mania was significant enough in terms of my description, possibly my speech towards my doctor, because I would imagine she judges things based on the way that I present myself sometimes and, um, you know, my concentration level, my my um, inability to sometimes remember or keep in, keep up with my own statements because I do know that I stumbled a few times and forgot what I was saying. Um, so I, I don't know if she just wants to treat something, if she's medicine happy, or if, um, you know, she just wants to make things even that much more better for Mr. Joe. I want to assume that she's prescribing this because... She believes that it will be a benefit to Mr. Joe and his overall mood. And, um, you know, she gave me a prescription card and said, even though, you know, your insurance company's not going to cover this, here's a card, you can get a year's supply. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, whatever, what happens in a year if it's still astronomical? I mean, if it's working, I guess I'm going to pay for it. But I don't know. One may never know because I got to tell you something. I am completely on the fence about whether or not to take this medication. I really am. I really am. I'm scared. I'm absolutely fearful of going on a medication, a new one. And I I have to relate it to my previous experiences. I really do. I mean, guys, listen. There was a point in my life, and I know I've discussed this many, many times, where... I was absolutely lost, lost in the wilderness. And and when I say lost, I say in the sense where I was on medication, I was abusing drugs, illicit drugs. You know, I was hopping back and forth on cocaine and on opiates, and I was taking prescription medication, counteracting every single drug that was put into my body, reporting to doctors that, hey, I feel depressed, and then upping my Cymbaltum, saying I feel too manic, and then upping my Depakote and adding this this antipsychotic. I mean, at one time, they had me on two mood stabilizers at once. I blame it on the doctors, but in retrospect, it was really my false advertising of my emotions and feelings based on the fact that there were many, many times that I did drugs, and I smoked a lot of marijuana. But in a nutshell, what it comes down to is I never had a really good experience. I mean, I remember going on, upping my Cymbalter and being up for four days straight. And then crashing for two weeks straight. I remember experiencing what we call depersonalization disorder. So, so It was so terrifying that I used to sit in my basement in the laundry room... And I would be sitting on the washing machine, smoking cigarettes, by the way, nearly burning the house down. And as I was smoking cigarettes, I would be floating above my body watching myself smoke cigarettes. 
and laughing at myself and falling asleep because I was on so much Xanax that I couldn't even keep my eyes open. Um, you know, Depakote. At one point, they said, hey, let's try the Depakote ER. Well, I tried it three times. And guess what? All three times, I, I smacked, bam, right into the back of a car. My fault. You know, you hit somebody from behind. It's your fault. I don't think it was coincidental that all three times when I started ER, the extended release of Depakote, I fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> one, one time, I totaled my car. Or at least, um, you know, did so much damage that it was almost to be totaled out. Let's put it that way. All within a two-week time frame. Because I had gone on, stopped, and then my doctor said to jump back on. And I got into another car accident two and a half weeks after the first one. Stopped the ER, and then I jumped back on probably about four or six months later, and the same thing happened. You know, there were times when I would be on Lamictal. And I would decide that, you know what, hey, in the very beginning when I was on some of my medication, I'm going to use Oxycontin or Vicodin or whatever it might be, and I'm going to tell the doctor that I'm breaking out in the Lamictal rash, when meanwhile, I was doing nothing but itching myself like a complete maniac from the side effects from pain medication. So whether I caused my own pain in terms of my side effects with my medication, whether it was doctor-induced, whether it was a combination of both. Four years of antidepressants, mood stabilizers, and antipsychotics was nothing but a nightmare for me. And it all started when I went into the hospital and they put me on Lexapro and Abilify, and I literally thought that I was going insane. Insane. And I've talked about it before. I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat off a plate at a dinner table. I had to, and I don't know why this was, but I guess I was so nervous that I had to remove the food from the plate and eat it off my shirt at the table. I couldn't reach up onto the plate onto the table, and I would, I would eat. God forgive me, like a homeless person with my fingers, you know, like a caveman. Because I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to eat like a normal person. I was so petrified. Sexually, <laughs> Lexapro, goodbye. You think you're going to have any sexual desires? I mean, listen, everybody's different. So please, don't let me talk you in or out of any of these medications. Because they may work wonders for people. Everybody is different. I read all the time that there are people that can't even last more than two days on Wellbutrin. Because of the anxiety that it promotes. Whereas me, I couldn't live without it. But I know this, Lexapro, and this goes, this goes to show you, and I don't think I've ever shared this with anybody on the podcast. And if I had, I apologize. But if I haven't, this is to give you an idea of how sick Mr. Joe was. You know, you would think you go into a hospital setting and you're there to get better. And by, by God, that's what I wanted to do while I was there. I took part, not in the first two days when I was an animal and had to be strapped down and injected with um, all kinds of medications to subdue me because I was such an animal and tried attacking people, um, which, by the way, happened a few more times throughout my hospital stay. But for the most part, I was pretty compliant. I played chair volleyball. I colored. I did all the things that I had to do, but 
it was amazing that when I started the Lexapro, because I had known that antidepressants had a, and I had never taken one in my life, but I just had heard that they caused sexual side effects in a hospital setting. I actually tried to masturbate. Now, granted, I wasn't in my own bed, and that would be kind of sick because I had a roommate. But I went to the shower, you know, to try to masturbate to see what would happen. And, man, I'll tell you right now, it didn't work. And I should have known right then and there that that side effect was never going to go away because there was absolutely no way for Mr. Joe to ejaculate. It didn't matter how hard I tried, how long I did it, what I did with my mind, it was completely non-existent. Combine that with the absolute wackadoo Abilify that I was on, and, you know, you, you literally have a maniac on your hands. Now, again, Abilify works wonders for some people. For me, it didn't work. So here's what happened with Mr. Joe. I look at Abilify, which is an antipsychotic, and immediately when I hear about Vraylaw, before even doing my old Googling up, reading reviews, which we all should not be doing, I hear antipsychotic and I'm already scared to death. Scared to death. I have new medication fears. There is no doubt about it. I am scared to death of trying new medications because I don't know what I'm going to feel like. And, man, I have been in a lot of bad places before, everybody. I've been hungover to the point where I thought I'd never survive. I've, I've nearly overdosed while snorting cocaine where I would sit and pray to God and promise that I would never snort again if he would just get me through it. I've been so high off marijuana that I'd curl up into a ball, rocking back and forth, praying to who I believe in in terms of my Jesus Christ or my God, asking for forgiveness and saying, please, sober me up, make me be able to think again. When I was younger, really experimenting, I ate an eighth of mushrooms and I nearly slit my wrist with a, a tool from underneath a sink that I had found in a pool hall. I've been in a lot of bad places, everybody, in terms of my drug use or experimentation with illicit drugs. But I'll say this. Of all the horrible things that's probably embedded a bit of anxiety in those of you who can understand where I'm coming from, even if you want to go as far as the horrible withdrawals that we feel when we can't feed our body and mind with pain medication that we're so highly addicted to, of all those painful things that I've been through, and my God, man, I have crawled my way while I have defecated and, and thrown up on a floor because I was withdrawing from opiates, crawled my way to a phone to try to call for Suboxone treatment. I've been in a lot of bad places, but I will tell you right now, and again, as much anxiety as this might be instilling in you, nothing, and I mean nothing, will ever compare to, to, to the way that I felt when a particular psychotropic medication did not agree with me. That's the God's honest truth, specifically the Abilify. I feel like I am almost damaged for life from the way that I felt and from the Depakote ER. 
And from the overall experience that I had in those four years in which, again, I never properly treated myself because, yeah, I listened to the doctors, but no, I didn't because I was smoking marijuana. You know, I was doing drugs the entire time, if you really think about it. So I was never stable. My bipolar was probably worse than it was ever in my entire life when I was medicated. You know, I was, uh, you want to talk about being schizophrenic, I was schizophrenic to every extreme. You know, it's, it's, it's almost though, it's as sick as this might sound, there were times where I, I would seek out the voices and the other people that I was seeing during that period in time because I felt so alone that there were times where that was the only company that I had. And I used to reach out to these voices and people and things that I would hear. And I mean, there were times when I would lay in bed and I believe this was the Symbolta because when I was withdrawing from it, which by the way, it goes right up there with the worst time of my life, which is when I was essentially thrown out of my home from an order of protection was when I was coming off Symbolta, crying on a stairway, trying to take pills to kill myself. Overdose, scared, crying, hurt, mixed episodes. Nothing will ever compare to the way that I felt when I was on psychotropic medication that did not agree with me, whether it was side effects or whether it was me withdrawing from a particular medication. So look at the two things there and and look at how scary they can be. You ingest a new medication And after a couple of times that you've taken this drug, all of a sudden now, you're starting to feel like something isn't right. But you say to yourself, you know, you got to give it time, give it a little more time. And all of a sudden now you've built this medication up into your bloodstream and you start to recognize that you can't function out in the real world with the way that you feel because these side effects are so horrible that you don't even want to go to work, you don't want to get in your car, you don't want to do all the things that you need to do to support a family. And guess what? Oh, by the way, now you got to come off it and deal with the withdrawal symptoms. Whether they would be bad or not, or, you know, maybe, you know, hopefully things would start to get better because you're now letting the drug leave your body. I particularly remember that with Abilify. I didn't have enough in my system to turn around and say, well, now I'm going to withdraw from this. But, you know, Cymbalta was in my system for four years, so you best believe if you don't wean off properly, which I did not, okay, which I did not, probably the quickest weaning process that one person could ever do, you know, you're going to experience withdrawal symptoms. Now, again, with the Abilify, I wasn't long enough, so all that horrible, all those horrible feelings that I had as I stopped, those things used to feel better. You know, they got increasingly better every day until finally I felt normal, which really, it was so traumatic that I never thought I'd feel normal again. So here's what it comes down to, everybody. I'm scared to death to try Vralar. I, I don't know if I need it. I just don't know if I need it. I, you know, is, I guess this is part of the world that we live in, in terms of our bipolar disorder and medications and trying to remain stable and constantly making adjustments to make sure that we could lead the most productive and, for
for lack of better terms, happy and successful life. I guess this is all part of it, you know, seeing a doctor, getting adjustments, being stable for however long you could be stable for, and then potentially having to make those small adjustments. And, uh, you know, it's not ironic that it's the seasonal change right now, change of seasons, that these things are going on. But what has has me guessing, or at least wondering, is, is does Mr. Joe really need this? My wife seems to think that I should give things a couple more weeks. Now, it was very interesting that she said that, because we all know that these things, <laughs> in terms of our moods and our feelings, usually don't just pan themselves out and end up leveling out on their own. They could get significantly worse if we don't address them. But my wife seems to think I'm just going through a little something more naturally than anything. Just the regular human emotions of feeling pressured from work and, you know, the pregnancy and the new child and my ex-wife and the, all the things rolled into one that any human being would deal with. So she wants me to hang in there a little longer and see if things level out. And then if I'm not feeling well, go ahead and stop popping these pills. So... I don't know. I'd love to hear your experience for those of you who might have tried this. Um, please, I ask you to reach out to MrJoeBP at Yahoo.com or you could find me on Twitter at MrBipolarJoe. If you do have experience with Vralar, Cariprazine, please let me know. Let me know your experience. Let me know what you've been diagnosed with. And, uh, you know... I'd love to hear about it. The other interesting thing is, for the first time ever, I walked into a doctor's office, of course, my psychiatrist last night, and you know when you see all those pamphlets that are sitting out there, bipolar 2 and anxiety and depression, for the very first time I saw a pamphlet that... I apologize, that was my wife calling me. I think you guys probably heard that. Usually you don't. Usually my phone's on silent and I kind of just hear it. But anyway, I saw a pamphlet called Mixed Episodes... And uh, it was like reading a autobiography <laughs> of Mr. Joe. It was quite interesting. Um, so apparently this Vralar is actually something that's for bipolar one, mixed episodes, people that experience more mania than depression, have um, you know very, very highly um, sought after drug in terms of schizophrenia. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not ready. I am not ready. But give me your thoughts. If you have any, I'd love to hear about what you're on, what you're taking. Uh, reach out and let me know. And of course, everybody out there, be safe, be well. And Mr. Joe will actually be back tomorrow. I'm glad that we're back on track for our daily podcast. And in closing, I would like to say if you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness or an addiction, continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, I ask that you keep fighting, keep battling, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Everybody have a great day. I'll talk to you again real soon.